Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of our introduction series to sustainability. We are down to earth. Being chill people, number one, but also it's our group name as well, Down to Earth. Remember this: we are a group of students,、um, and we're originating from all different kinds of countries. I myself, I'm actually Dutch, so I hope I don't have a very Dutch accent when I'm speaking. That would be very inconvenient. However, we are actually working for the Center of Sustainability, and my name is Chilaisa, and I'm here accompanied with my co-host Bahine, and I'm a Norwegian currently studying at NTNU. And we will take you on this great journey of knowledge and self-discovery into sustainability today.、Um, and our main goal is actually to answer the question: What is sustainability?、Um, and what does it mean to live sustainable as well? And how can you implement it into your own lives? Right? Because we probably have all heard about the term sustainability ourselves before. It's something that is very common in, in current day society. Of course, we have a lot of different things going on.、Um, however, how do you actually apply it into your own lives? And how how do you make sure that that you contribute to living more sustainable? And also, it's actually very easy to implement this well and make a difference by just doing very small things. And that's some kind of like the things that we're wanting to talk about. We've invited different people into the studio today as well to kind of give you guys different opinions, different views of what it means to be sustainable and how you live sustainably as well.、Um, yeah, and we have invited people from our sustainable center, and we also invited people outside the sustainable center. So we'll get a broader view on sustainability. Yeah. So our vision is not only to show how important it is, of course, to be sustainable, but also how interesting it actually is, and what kind of interesting individuals we actually have here to、uh, show you guys exactly the different views. And we today have Jamie. Hi. Well, welcome, Jamie.、Um, would you like to introduce yourself a bit? Yeah. Sure.、Uh, my name is Jamie. I'm from the United States. I've been living in Norway a little over a year, and I'm a student, but I also teach English. Awesome. What do you study?、Uh, programming. Programming. That's awesome. That's very relevant as well, of course, for what we're doing with the podcast and everything.、Mm-hmm. However, so what kind of programming are you like studying now?、Uh, right now, I'm learning、uh, front-end development languages, so JavaScript, CSS. Yeah. Awesome. Smart cookie. That's really great to hear. So, you're on a podcast now about sustainability, right? Yeah. That's awesome. So we're gonna ask you some questions actually as well about what you think about sustainability and like what it means to you. So with that, we would just like to start off with what does the word sustainability mean for you? I would say it means the practices that allow for the longevity of Earth's resources. So anything that we can do on a daily basis or Looking in the grander scheme of as a society to、uh, just prolong and preserve as much as we can, so that everyone has access to those resources. Yeah. How do do you implement sustainability in your everyday life? <laughs> I think for me, it's like okay, especially when you're on a budget, right? <laughs> you want to think, okay, I have this amount of food. How can I stretch this? How can I make this work?、Uh, if I'm going to buy something, how long is this going to last? And is it a good quality?、Uh, can I walk? Or take the bus versus driving and having to use gas. So I think those practical everyday things are、um, beneficial to to me, but also assist in creating sustainable practices. Yeah, do you feel like your individual efforts、uh, carry out in this society, or do I think they're successful? Or yeah,、uh, for me, yeah, I, and I think so because they're practical and. For people to create a habit, it has to be practical, and they have to see how it's beneficial to them. So、uh, I'm absolutely sure there's probably more to do, <laughs> more that can be done. But、uh, 
I think just maybe like adding one thing at a time or as you learn more is yeah, helpful. Yeah. Do you wish that you did more of a habit like taking a taking the train instead of the airplane or I wish I could grow my own food. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I I love I have a green thumb mm-hmm. and I love plants and whatnot, but you have to have the right amount of space or you have to have like the right kind of lighting and things like that but I in time <laughs> but I, I that's something I wish I could do so maybe when I have my house I'll be able to do that do you uh, or have you learned anything about sustainability in your programming courses no not in programming okay no. do you think there can be if you just could think openly is there any possible way to be or program sustainably I don't know most of what I do is online So I haven't really thought about it in that way. Um, I don't know. It's no? a good question. I'd, I'd have to think more about that. Yeah, because, yeah. I worked on a, a research project about digital carbon footprint, mm-hmm. which is your uh, carbon footprint on your daily internet usage, device usage, and how data centers and servers mm-hmm. can affect your uh, footprint. Mm. And there's a lot of people that no don't know as much about it as, you know, recycling and buying second-hand clothes. Right. Yeah, so there are a lot of aspects that needs to be known to the public as a part of the sustainability process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's new to me, so... (laughs) I was actually curious about one thing that I remember you saying earlier that you did an undergrad in urban planning, Mm -hmm. isn't it? So how does sustainability fit into urban planning? Most of what I studied was geared around historic preservation. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I come from Charleston, South Carolina, so it's a very historic town. It was geared more towards the social aspect, and it was about giving people access to resources. Uh, So, you know, we have areas that are food deserts, meaning there are no grocery stores in neighborhoods. So, and working at a few schools, one of their biggest projects was uh, to take kids to gardens, to teach them how to grow their own food, how to uh, create recipes that were seasonal. So that was one way, but also creating more green spaces for people to uh, to congregate. Um, and in a place like Charleston, South Carolina, there isn't much room, or it's very contested to bring modern technology in. Like, you can't put a subway there, so what's the alternative? Do we create a more extended bus line? Uh, and then you start getting into economic politics, right? It's like, who do we want to bus in? And so you, we have all of these issues around it. And I would say urban planning in that respect is, as it relates to where I am from, was more about that. It's like, how do we cross these needs with uh, crossing economic boundaries? That's very interesting. Should we take the quiz question? Oh, goodness. Question. <laughs> Now it's time to kind of intimidate you with questions. The pressure. The pressure is real, but don't worry. Um, we're just going to like ask you some questions of course about sustainability but now in a quiz form yeah okay we can uh, start with uh, question one here which is the worst for the environment and there are four options chicken pork beef or fish uh i have two answers okay (laughs) do you want to explain the two choices i'm going to say fish okay well what is the reasoning behind it the other ones are land animals Mm. (laughs) It's the only one that's not, <laughs> so I figure maybe that's the one. But I wanted to say pork, but I'm thinking it's fish. Locking your in, locking in your answer with fish. Yeah. Yes. 
Oh. It is beef, actually. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it has something with methane gas. You know, cows produce a lot when they digest the uh, grass and everything when they're eating. They have a lot uh, of carbon emissions that way. Oh. Too far a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was trying not to say that. <laughs> okay, next question. On average, how long does it take for a plastic bottle to decompose? And now you get four options as well. Is it two years, 75 years, 450 years, or 1,000 years? 450. Correct. Oh, Good job, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, 400 is, it is the average for a plastic bottle mm. to decompose. Okay, one more. How many trees does the average person in the United States consume through the use of paper, wood, and cardboard every year? Is it one, three, eight, or 15 trees? In one year? Yeah. I'll say 15. Wow, you are a natural expert at this. The pressure. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, uh, Demi. It Thank has you. been a pleasure. Thank having you for having me. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Hopefully see you around more often too. Yeah. yeah. All right. We would like to welcome our next guest on the show, Christina. Welcome. Thank um, you. Yes. Maybe you could tell a little bit more about yourself. Who are you? What are you doing? Well, I'm from Trondheim, 25 years old, and I'm currently studying a master at NTNU uh, so in social anthropology. So thank you for having me. So social anthropology... So now we're going to be talking about sustainability as well. What does sustainability mean to you? Well, um, for me, it's um, taking care of what we already have. Um, this means uh, the earth, the environment, body, mind, um, trying to make sure that we can keep it this way uh, for the future and the future generations so they, uh, that they have the same um, possibilities as we do today. Do you do anything sustainable in your everyday life? I recycle my bottles. <laughs> That's nice. I think it makes up for my long showers. So yeah, I have to do something. And also um, trying to eat uh, less red meat. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great way to also implement sustainability in your own daily life, right? Yeah. yeah. During your studies here in Trondheim, have you uh, learned anything related to sustainability during your studies? I uh, I don't know. Really, I learned more about it uh, because I was uh, at uh, Folkehögskola in the northern Norway, who was really, they were really into this uh, sustainability thing. So they they wanted us to not take a shower for a whole week because we had to save water. I couldn't go through with it because I need to shower. <laughs> it's really important for me, hygiene. Uh, and also they challenged us to only eat a vegetarian for a whole week um, and also buy uh, used clothes or used items uh, so I was actually curious because you're studying social anthropology um, correct me if I'm wrong this is the study of kind of like behavior of people like how different cultures and um, values impact people right or yeah you can say it like that yeah yeah so i was kind of curious as well in terms of you may have like researched different kinds of populations as well or different kinds of cultures um do you know of the role of perhaps sustainability within different kind of cultures are you familiar with that i haven't really read too much about that because i'm more in shamanism and mediumship and such so uh, for me i haven't really looked that much into it so we also have um some quiz questions for you 
gonna make this very hard for you like <laughs> having some very hard questions they're actually not that hard but they're all related to sustainability of course um we're just going to kind of like give a bit of a highlight to it as to what you know about sustainability Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. <laughs> yep are you ready for the first question maybe <laughs> okay first one uh, is how many sustainable goals are there and you get um four options is it five thirty eight or seventeen 17, probably. Correct yes. answer. <laughs> Yay me. <laughs> okay, moving on then. What percentage of electricity produced comes from renewable energy sources? Now you get three options. It is in Norway though. Um, so is it 56%, 87% or 98%? What was the first one, Jan? Yeah, uh, 56%. I'll go with that one. Oh, I didn't That's like the wrong. sound of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's 98%. Wow. In Norway. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Norway has invested in hydropower. So we use a lot of our energy from hydropower going to electricity. Mm, nice. Didn't know that. Uh-huh. Well. <laughs> we'll take uh, one question. How many countries does it take to make an iphone well there is uh, china and we need america and yeah let's put in a bunch of other countries as well let's say seven seven yeah and your answer is locked maybe nine <laughs> okay <laughs> it is actually 43 countries wow okay yeah. yep. that's from raw material to manufacturing yeah hmm. wow for the three I... countries that's a lot. I'm a little bit in shock because I thought that I didn't think that we needed that many countries to make a phone. Wow. Yeah. I guess that's it. Thank you for being in Kizina. Yeah. Lovely to have you here. Thank you for having me. It was nice. Mm. Yeah. I would like to thank everyone a lot for uh, giving your different viewpoints and it's been very interesting listening to what you guys have been saying about sustainability and what sustainability means to you as well. It's also been very interesting to listen to the quiz answers, of course. Um, and now we're moving on to our experts. So we have several people from Trondheim Kommune, the sort of local municipality here in Trondheim, to talk about sustainability as well and different projects of what's going on in Trondheim. And we would like to introduce Kelly and we're going to ask you, like, who are you? So I'm Kelly and I work here at Buttercross Center. I'm the student coordinator and then I also work for a project called Positive City Exchange where I contribute to writing and different kinds of projects that all relate around positive energy and sustainability. Awesome. You're quite involved in the sustainability center yourself, right? You're leading the the intern program as well. So could you tell us a bit more about about that too? Yeah, Uh, so I actually first started as an intern. I was the second intern ever brought on at the center in February of 2020, right after we started in October of 2019. So I've seen this center really grow, which has been really great to see. And now I'm running the internship program and there's three kind of different projects going on with the interns. One that I'm on right now, you guys are creating this podcast, which is really great. We have a team that's working on um, an SDG clinic where they'll be helping businesses and our partners about how to become more involved with the SDGs, where they can focus, this semester they're focusing on net zero, last semester they focused on circular economy. So just helping out the local community doing that kind of consulting and it's kind of like a public service basically and then we have a team that's helping with making our social media 
Awesome. Yeah. Um, I just want to start with a general question. How do you implement sustainability in your everyday life? Let's see. In my everyday life, well, since moving to Norway, I feel like it's gotten a lot better because there's a lot more opportunities to be sustainable, whether it's having those, I think we have four or five trash cans. Well, trash. There's rest of all, which is the trash. And then we have the food waste, not within Tontheim Kommuna, but outside. Like I live in, I used to live in Schurdal. And we had food waste. You can recycle your plastic, paper, and there's so much more sorting. And then, honestly, I just work a lot with the bigger picture of sustainability as well through working here where we've done all kinds of different events where we help businesses with sustainability, where we are kind of working on localizing the SDGs, realizing that something that might work in Trondheim might not work in a different city. And just trying to make it a more adaptable kind of thing, saying, oh, look, I can be more sustainable, which sustainability is a big word. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Do you have uh, your own definition or? So for me, I base it more around circular economy. I wrote my master's thesis on circular economy, projects, policy and innovation in Trondheim. So circular economy can encompass way more than just, oh, this is how production works. Like if I produce something that will last for a long time, it's circular. It can be brought down to a lot more social things as well, which I know there are things that are being worked on that are going to bring it down to a social level. So let's say to for yourself, being more circular or sustainable could mean let me repair my bike instead of buying a new one. So that's kind of how I view sustainability. I also had a question regarding, you mentioned the SDGs. Um, our listeners might not actually know what the SDGs uh -huh. mean. So maybe you could go a bit further into what does the SDGs actually stand for? What does it mean? So the SDGs are the Sustainable Development Goals were developed by the UN to um, kind of take over from the Millennium Development Goals. I could go on in a long rant about the whole transition between all of that, but that would be kind of boring. Um, <laughs> so they're... 17 goals that are broad and then plus they have the targets that they want to meet and how they're going to meet the targets and if you look at the website if you just google sustainable development goals you can see all the goals and targets that are laid out and they all kind of interact with each other because there are climate specific ones there are ones that are city specific there's ones that are general like good health and education and equality So they all kind of play a role together. Would you say they all play a role together in making the world a bit of a better place? Or what do you think they would contribute to? Yeah, I think it does play a role in making the world a better place. There's a lot that needs to happen for these goals to be reached. We'll see how far we get. I mean, it's already almost 2022, so we've got eight more years. Yeah. So the UN wanted to set out these goals and have them achieved by 2030 then? That's correct. That would be ideal, but we'll see what happens. When you're at home, I do have any special green habits that you do to make your life more sustainable. That's a good question. Um, like I said a little bit earlier I, about recycling in Norway is a lot more opportunity than in the U.S. And then, um, like, I take the bus and we have a car, but it's fully electric. So not driving everywhere like I did when I lived in the U.S. Do you buy any secondhand clothes? Yeah, I have. Um, more so in the U.S. than in Norway because it's been a little bit hard. Like, I guess I don't really know more than like Freytex. Do you, for example, buy uh, local food? Yeah. 
That's a good one too. <laughs> if you have one tip you could give to our listeners in to live more sustainably, what kind of tip would you give? Yeah, buying less. So wearing your clothes until there's holes and taking advantage of kind of green fashion because that's a huge industry where are really lacking in sustainability. I know there's brands like H&M has something that when you look at the tag and it says eco-conscious that it's made from either recycled material or they've like you can turn in your old jeans. They've done some ads for that and then you get a discount on the new ones that have been made out of the recycled denim. Yeah, I've also heard about the um, is it called greenwashing? I yeah. was thinking about that as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's also something to watch for and kind of be aware of that can happen. We mentioned greenwashing, but how would we define greenwashing in this in this sense? Yeah, labeling something as quote unquote green. Green is another one of those words that we kind of use a lot, like sustainability, that kind of get used interchangeably. And what greenwashing is is saying, yes, this is a green product, but in reality, looking into it like it's created by like child labor or a variety of different kinds of things. Now I'm no expert in this, but yeah. I, it's something that we do need to be aware of that does happen. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, thanks for being here, Kelly. It has been a pleasure talking to you and uh, hearing your viewpoints and hearing more about yourself. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I would like to welcome our next guest, um, Catherine. Uh, so, yeah, welcome, Catherine. Maybe you can tell you a little bit more about yourself. Who are you? What are you doing at the Center for Sustainability? Yes, yeah, sure. So my name is Catherine Wick Pedersen. I work as a strategist, and I'm uh, here at Trondheim Commune. We are developing a new mobility application yeah. that will make it easier for young people in the future to not have a private car, to make it easier to to use the sustainable mobility alternatives. All right, awesome. Can you? You said you were making an app, right, for younger individuals. Yep. Could you explain more like what you're doing with the app as well? So we, <clears throat> so we decided to develop a strategy around how we can um, uh, build loyalty and towards the young people. And this application, it collects all the APIs from the bus and train and e-scooters and carpool sharing into one application that um, you can open and you see a live map um, with a, what's available nearby in the closest uh, proximity. Yeah. So we uh, we also try to make a solution that makes it easy to find a nearest bus stop, for instance. It's also a, a playground for new new providers, so they can just jump in, and it's a very democratic process. For instance, we have a, a new scooter uh, provider here in Trondheim, and since it's called Swip, yeah, and you know Tier and Voy, they are established. But this application makes it possible for them to just. Uh, hop right in and uh, all the scooters are, are branded under one icon so when you open the map it doesn't matter if you which provider you want it's just accessible for all the providers yeah. it's kind of like uh, Entur yeah. the app for the routes I guess yeah, yeah. so the Entur is, uh, is the government where you can book and plan and, and pay Yeah. but uh, as for now this is a mobility as a service application so it provides a live map with the available options nearby so Mobi is a mobility as a service application, and for now it's available in the, it's called an alpha app, which is the very first uh, version. And it's usually a closed, closed um, it's an early phase of the development process, and it's usually closed. But since we want to uh, open for the citizens, and especially students, to help us develop this uh, application as uh, best as possible, and also as fast as possible, we made this alpha app uh, available. So it's, uh, if you can go to Google Play Store and, and 
try it on Android at first. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a lot of you need testing right now. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So we're doing a bug hunting campaign. Yeah. We're inviting the students to help us find bugs. Really. Yeah. Cool. How do you implement sustainability in your everyday life? So actually, I use a scooter back and forth. I use the you know living living the brand. So I think it's um, maybe a couple of years ago I used a lot of taxi like back and forth, you know, when it wasn't as scooters. So when they came, I'm so happy because it's really, really easy and it's kind of cheap. And I think it's um, one of my goals through my job is to make like different hubs where you can make it. Because as everybody knows, everyone is talking about how the scooters is all over the place, right? So um, I'm hoping to build um, stations for it and, and see how we can make it also more enjoyable and accepted for, for the grown-ups really. But yeah. what do you do for the winter? Uh, the scooters are not available during the winter? Yeah, no, that's true. Of course I, I take the bus, but I actually try to walk as much as possible, more than I did before. But it's also I also live maybe five minutes outside of the city, so it's not really far. So yeah, but in everyday life, I started to take the train more than more than a plane because I travel a lot, not in Corona, but uh, yeah. <laughs> in the normal life um, towards meeting. But now I try to um, use the other options and and work as I instead of just travel time. I really like to to take the train, but I would love for it to get much cheaper because it's super expensive. Actually, kind of in some places more mm. expensive than uh, than the plane, but. Now I feel like I don't have to. And the, when Corona came, I think that a lot of people started to explore Norway. And now it's uh, it's not that important to me to just go somewhere warm. I had this amazing summer in north of Norway. And yeah, I had to use a jacket and it was really, really cold. Mm. But it was so amazing. Because yeah. it's more it's, sustainable. Yeah, it's more exploring the country. Really. Yeah. yeah. What does sustainable mean to you? Because I've been an entrepreneur for my entire adult life. And I think that um, as a strategist, and I worked with marketing for a long time. Early in my career, I was uh, I used with, uh, to work on campaign that's you know sell more mobiles. Uh, all this um, uh, it's not very interesting, and it's not it's not you know saving the world really. So uh, I mean, I think five or six years ago, I started working with technology companies that is driving solutions and accelerating the future, and try to make solutions and push forward the startups to think about this in an early phase. Because it's so easy to say that, oh, we're working with sustainability, but they aren't really. So yeah, I'm, my work is dedicated to help the early phase companies to, to start thinking about that. And um, as one particular, I, I started working, I think it was back in 2000. And um, I worked with a lot of, uh, lot of companies that weren't really about equality at all. So I've, um, usually I was the only woman working in the, as an entrepreneur. But uh, I think also I've been a mentor for a lot of uh, women the last year because women are usually put in like the marketing marketing side of, an, of a business instead to, to make them uh, trust themselves and believe that they can also be the CEO. It doesn't really matter if you start a company and it's usually CTO and CMO and CEO. And before it was usually to have, if you were three from entrepreneur, what's it called? The entrepreneur line, entrepreneur school. Not correlate it's uh, in English, but it was usually to. Then was um, every time it was de- dedicated. If it was a woman on the team, she was put on marketing. So yeah, yeah. so I mentor to a lot of uh, young women to see that they doesn't really matter. You can do whatever you want to, and yeah, you can you can be the CTO or you can be CEO, and you can put the guys on marketing too. Yeah, yeah. and that's a great uh, great aspect as well in sustainability because yeah. sustainable is also about equality and mm. making 
women and men equals and in the workplace. So that's also an important aspect. Thank you so much for being here, Katrine. And uh, yeah, and it's been really fun talking to you. Thank you so much. We have Cole here who works at the Sustainability Center. And maybe Cole, you can introduce yourself a little bit and tell something about yourself. Thank you so much. I am uh, delighted to be here. I love podcasts and to be able to be part of a sustainability podcast. I am very excited. Um, yeah, my name is Cole. Uh, I'm from Canada. So my advertising is Cole from Canada as I'm out there in the world. I'm been in Norway for three years now and I studied city planning at Intinu and I started working with the Sustainability Center and a project called Positive City Exchange about a year and a half ago. And this is looking at sustainability through the, the lens of energy and looking at how we can bring more local power. So like solar panels and building upgrades and using like geothermal heating, those kind of technologies and a microgrid for Trondheim. Yeah. So the main demonstration areas are down in Bratora. You might know the powerhouse building, which is one of the largest positive energy buildings in Norway. So it actually produces more energy than it uses and can trade or share power with the surrounding buildings. So Pirbata, which is a place that I like to go quite often, the swimming pool can actually be heated from uh, the solar panels on the powerhouse building. So that's kind of like mm, a short summary of, of the project that we're working on. And there's also a similar project happening in Schlippen as well, trying to bring more local power and build community in the Schlippen area. How do you implement sustainability in your everyday life, except from the cool projects that they do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think this is an interesting challenge because I think more and more younger people, like they're wanting to work in a field that's sustainable, but then they're also like, trying to live more sustainable. And this is something I think about a lot. Um, I think the ones that have been easy for me to implement have been like daily changes. So starting with like, what do I do every day? Which is what are the foods that I'm eating? How am I moving around the city? What types of, um, of activities am I part of? And I found like really kind of doubling down on things that are very community focused. So doing like improv theater and music and stuff where I feel a lot of community. I'm not needing to do things that are a lot of like buying consumerism, you know, doing like activities that you're trying to kind of fill that void, but through, con- yeah, consumption. So I think like just finding ways that I have, yeah, a lot of community in my life and a lot of activities that I can do locally, that's been important. Um, and seeing it more like culmination of choices, small choices every day, instead of just the big things. Being from Canada, it is a little tough because you need to take a flight if you want to go see your family. So I think about that and I haven't been back so much, but when I do go back, I still want to enjoy that time. So yeah, that's one thing I often think about is how much do these little choices matter? And then something like that. Yeah, I'm sure others have also jumped on the internet and looked up. So if I'm vegan for a year, does that cancel out one flight home? And I think the numbers are kind of showing it's actually pretty close, but still you make choices every day to be, you know, more vegetarian, more vegan, thinking about the impact maybe of what you're eating. And then one flight home, it kind of feels like it might undo that work. So it's very interesting to understand, like to see this psychology around how we make choices and how we can live sustainably. I can definitely see that. Of course, uh, the, the conflict as well mm-hmm. on uh, how much do I do? Is it enough? Um, are my daily things I do towards the same video? Is it enough, right? It doesn't have an impact. Um, but for our listeners, what would you say is one essential tip if you would want people to live more sustainably? What would you give as one tip? So this is something I've been going back and forth on and I've been following like the activist uh, Greta Thunberg. And I think maybe where my views might differ with hers are the power of positivity. 
I think it's really important to know the science and to be sometimes scared and worried. But I have seen in myself and in my friends that when you get too much in that place of doom and gloom, then you stop worrying about recycling. You stop trying to eat more vegetarian food. You stop doing a local vacation and you say, ah, maybe I'll just fly a bit extra this year because you feel like it doesn't matter. So if I had one tip, actually, I think it might be staying positive, feeling that you are making a difference and that we can do it because... If you feel like you're already come so far and all you need to do is just a bit more, you're just way more engaged. Whereas if you feel sustainability is something so far from being possible, then I feel humans give up. So I'm, I think my tip would be positivity. Yeah. Do you feel like um, the people have some saying in how green the environment can be? Or is it more the corporations like, for example, Google or Nestle? Or- yeah, yeah. I think that's tough too, um, because it's so easy to kind of push or point fingers in different ways. I think corporations will often say, well, as long as there's a market for iPhones and flights and all these things, then we're going to keep making them and keep delivering the service. Um, But I think the average person also feels quite trapped. I know like in Canada, growing up, it was really hard to not have a car. You know, if you needed to get to school or to work or to the grocery store, um, you're kind of in a system that maybe is stuck using ways of traveling that aren't super sustainable Or, um, yeah, feeling like the rest of the world's doing it. I think in Norway, I've definitely noticed this culture of, you know, going south to Spain or doing other things. And if all your friends are going and your family is even taking vacations, are you going to really be the one that says, no, I'm going to do a local vacation this year? I think it can be hard uh, to go against kind of that bigger structure. So in the sustainability center, we often talk about like a top down and a bottom up approach. And what that means is you're going to need leadership from politicians and from CEOs of companies to say, We need to reach the agreement that was in the Paris Accord. This is how we're going to do it. These are the numbers. And therefore, we have to tailor all of our policies and approaches towards that. But then I think you also need a lot of individual people making choices and also reaffirming that it's okay that the government and that organizations are taking a harder line because politicians are only going to do it if they feel that they have the support of people. Uh, So, yeah, I feel it has to come both ways, this pressure from the bottom and looking at the data, looking at the science and then making decisions from the top down too. I had a friend of mine who um, I interviewed for my uh, a research project that I had. And she mentioned that she found it hard to stick to being eco-friendly because it is different degrees. Like she was mentioning green tooth toothpaste and uh, brushes that are made of bamboo, but you can't actually brush your teeth because right. <laughs> they don't do their job. Doesn't work, yeah. Yeah, and so... It is difficult to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, do you and your friends inspire each other to be more green or your colleagues here? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, there's a lot of platforms that are coming out to kind of raise the awareness of what other people are doing. I think with like the athletic communities, whether you're running or biking or doing things, apps like Strava, where you're kind of seeing each other out there and having, you know, being active and doing things. Um, I think kind of gamifying and looking at because humans are social creatures. So the more that we're seeing what other people are doing, if you see that all your friends are biking and running on the weekend, you're more likely to be biking and running on the weekend to kind of keep up. And that can go too far. But I think with sustainability, if you're seeing everyone around you recycling, taking local vacations, getting into bicycling, like, you know, eating more vegetarian food, I think because we're social creatures, we're going to want to kind of mimic that behavior. So I think that can also be harnessed for good. When you see, hey, you know, my whole family is starting to do this and we're taking a yeah, a local vacation this year. Uh, we're thinking more about, um, I don't know, growing our own food. I think that can be very uh, like reinforcing where one good behavior can kind of have a snowball gets bigger and bigger, but in a in a good way. Yeah. 
I also heard you mention the gamification of things and terms of gamification of sustainability as well, and like for different target groups. Have you been working with that, for example? Yeah, a, a bit on the periphery. When when I first started, there was a PhD student who was looking at like kind of gamifying energy choices. So they, she had actually made a board game, and it wasn't necessarily meant to be played by the average person, but it was kind of be meant to be played by a a team that would be managing energy choices for a city. So when you're deciding, hmm, should we be investing in more solar power for cities? Should we be investing in wind power, which is quite controversial in Norway? Should we be doing building upgrades? And who should be making these choices? Because there's a limited amount of money to go around. So I think that's where gamification is is kind of a useful tool because a lot of games, there's parameters, right? You have so much time, so much money, so much strength to do things. And I think the same goes for the Trondheim Communa, right? We have so much money, so much time, only so much resources to do these things. So what would be kind of that ideal setup to make choices for the most sustainable Trondheim, given the resources that we have? So I think there's definitely potential. I think outside of the workplace, though, when you're doing things in your free time, I don't know the range that a board game or these type of activities would have. I mean, people are so busy and there's so many different interests that are pulling us in any given day or any given week. So I'm much more interested actually in uh, some of the work that Ducky is doing, which is a startup company. And I'm not super familiar with the details, but the overall approach is if people could see the carbon emissions every time they use their bank card, how would that kind of add to the gamification of carbon dioxide emissions? So for example, you're going to the grocery store, you have a normal grocery shop, and you would see, wow, chicken had this much impact and buying you know, the burgers this time had this much. Um, and it's according to how much you spend, right? Because your credit card or your bank card, you know exactly how much goes into different things, how much you spent on groceries, how much you spent on travel. And then you could actually attach a CO2 equivalent for all those products that you buy. So, I mean, that is something that a lot of people do have time for. We all have to look at our bank statements. We're all living in a world where, yeah, you're paying rent, you're buying things. So I think that has a lot of potential for gamification because if that's something you're doing anyways every week, wouldn't it be cool if not only are you looking at your bank statement, but you're looking at your carbon statement at the end of the month? I have heard of that before, but I also, I think I read a book, a fantasy book on that actually, oh, yeah. a carbon emission they got limited amount of carbon emissions that they could use and if they the rich rich one could buy enough to take planes all day but yeah. the poor ones could couldn't buy groceries but yeah that's what i'm I was thinking that maybe normal people will feel stressed out also because you know you're just buying groceries why do you need <laughs> to see your carbon emissions that's uh, stressful because you also have to pay for it and then if you you have to make compromises yeah that I still think a starting point, though, is awareness. So I don't think you'd have to have a, a cap where you wouldn't be allowed to spend as much. But I think it's an awareness thing. And maybe you need that team of uh, psychologists and mental health professionals to look at not necessarily shaming people, but using language around, did you know, <laughs> right? Because if you're even looking at a lot of other certifications around fair trade, people want to be part of an agricultural system where the workers are paid and the farmers do have enough money and that you're not part of an exploitative, uh, exploitative system. So I think like the same way that like organic or fair trade are trying to like bring about better consumer behavior and kind of benefit the whole supply chain. I think we could do the same with um with the carbon credit system, where it's not necessarily shaming, but it does reinforce when you are making choices that are better for the earth. So I think you're right. It's a fine line between feeling really bad at the end of the month, not only for how much money you spent, but also for your carbon emissions. But I think maybe we have to also look at the way we message it. And maybe it's about kind of boosting those good feelings as well. So what actually does sustainability mean to you? Like, what does it mean? 
So I've taken lots of uh, courses in natural science before I got into city planning, and I'm quite convinced that the world will keep sustaining no matter what. If you look at history, uh, the world has been much, uh, the climate has been much warmer than it is today, and the climate has been much colder than it is today. And uh, in the past, there's been mass extinction events where 80% of species have gone missing from the face of the earth, maybe because of an asteroid or other types of events. And um, I mean, the dinosaurs didn't do anything wrong, right? It was just things can happen, right? So I think sometimes we use that to kind of get out of jail free and say, well, let's just keep going to Spain and buying as much meat as we want. And I don't think that's what it means. I think what it means is it's not about the planet surviving. The planet will keep surviving over millions and millions of years. I think it's more about we've been given this gift of a planet that has enough water, enough food, beautiful nature, a lot of opportunities for animals on Earth, including humans. And if we see ourselves as part of that system in the next even 100, 200 years, then there's going to have to be a really huge shift in the way that we're living. So for me, it's not sustainability of the Earth, um, which will keep going over millions and millions of years long after we're gone. I think it's more about the sustainability of us humans sharing the Earth. So finding a way that even in, the, even in our lifetime and in our kids' lifetime, how will there still be enough nature and enough food and resources and opportunities for people to live a, a whole and happy life. And that is not a given. I think we definitely have to prove that that's something that we want. And then we have to make choices in the next, in our lifetime. Cool. Thank you. This has been really fun to talk to you about sustainable TAs. Cool. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun for me too. Yeah. Thank you for coming. I'm looking forward to speaking to you again. Very okay. much appreciate it. It's very, been a very diverse day, diverse opinions, a lot of knowledge, right? We learn from each other and that's important um, to be able to share the knowledge that we have. And that's how we're going to make the world a better place in that sense, right? Yeah. By also spreading the knowledge that we have from each other and making sure that others know. That's how we learn. That's the most important. So we would like to thank Kelly, our coordinator and advisor, and the whole podcast team behind the scenes and the sustainability center and the people answering our questions. We'll also give a shout out to Lindsay, the music creator for our introduction. So thank you for listening to us. See you guys on the next episode. Stay tuned. And this was Down to Earth.